What's up, everybody? Welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato, and today I'm talking with Jacob Holbrook. Jacob is a member of the Thrivology Pack, but he is also a very high achiever in pretty much everything that he's touched in his life. He's worked his way up through the banking industry, now working with $100 million-plus companies. He did very well in wrestling in college. He was a state championship wrestler in high school. He, in the gym, he pretty much scares people off whenever they have to work with him. We do this thing called partner work, which is tons of fun, um, unless you work with Jacob, because he's going to push you, and he's going to show you what hard feels like. So he's going to talk to you about what hard feels like today. This was a great conversation. I learned a ton. I actually look forward to going back and listening to it again at least once myself. So nonetheless, without further ado, here's my conversation with Jacob Holbrook. Um, so Jacob, what do you do now? I'm a, a banker, mm -hmm. and so uh, market president for First Financial Bank. Mm -hmm. And what that means is really taking care of stakeholders, but my primary job is to lend money in the community mm -hmm. and really kind of like the greater Cincinnati market. Mm -hmm. And um, middle market is where I focus my efforts. Mm -hmm. And so that's lending the companies with you know $100 million in revenue or greater typically, mm -hmm. and then leading a team that would lend money to – uh, uh, south of that. So, you know, Got revenues it. from zero to, um, hundred million, 99 yeah. million. That's right. Whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I've been doing that for 20 something years and it just got into the job and kind of put my head down and just started working. Mm -hmm. and, um, really you got into luck. banking. Yeah. Just by accident, you know, job fair at oh, really? school and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> found something I could win at and, Go. started doing it and hit the uh, button yeah mm -hmm. um the nice thing is that like once you realize the nobility of it like you really kind of fall in love with it mm -hmm. it was first it was like hey i could win at this i could make money but then the passion comes from like when you provide a big loan facility for a middle market business that employs 200 300 yeah. employees and realizing that that's instrumental in the capitalization of what they're trying to do mm -hmm. and it generates even more jobs it's like okay that that's affecting the the yeah indirectly affecting the region that we live in so that's that's satisfying so while initially it may have been more about self-interest yourself yeah which is why i think everybody has self health and fitness yeah, like why right. do most yeah. people start yeah they don't m most people don't start health and fitness because they are looking to impact people around them. They start because they want a six pack or they start because they want themselves yeah. to feel better, which is good. Everyone should do that most definitely. But I don't think that you realize that also by doing that, you're impacting everyone around you because they're seeing what you're doing. You can, you have more energy to help them and so on and so forth. I don't think most people think that way in health and fitness, at least initially, hopefully rich, eventually they do. Yeah. But the same idea, like you were able to spread your mind about what you were actually doing and who you were actually impacting. Yeah. And I, I would imagine that that probably helped you achieve more. Yeah. And, and the team that you have, like when you're competitive amongst your peers and everybody elevates, it's enjoyable, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you can see that as well. But, mm -hmm. um, certainly, you know, self-interest is really important, but you know, it can't be, it, it's not a fulfilling, a sustainable fulfilling, uh, life when it's just about you, you 100%. know, but, um, cause if you, if you're winning and there's nobody to win against and nobody to celebrate with, it's not as fun as, you know, winning when there is that environment. And so, 
That's interesting. Yeah. Um, there was a podcast I was listening to the other day. The guy's a uber successful entrepreneur, and he it was a Q and A episode, and somebody had asked something about being at the top and the saying it's lonely at the top. Blah 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 blah. And he's like, "No, dude, that's dumb. It's not lonely at the top." If, if that were the case, then no one would get to the top because you don't have anything to yeah. compete against. You don't have anyone to move against. The society talks about not competing against other people, but I don't. Yeah, no, that's that's the joy of it. Like, if you don't have, like yeah, we were talking about um, my kids in yep. the previous, like, I think it's great when, you know, competition elevates because it really gives you a sense of renewal. Like, I got, I got to renew myself, reinvent mm-hmm. myself to win again. How mm-hmm. do I win and this new set of competitors, because mm. there's always somebody that's willing to put in the work to compete, you know, mm-hmm. and there's always somebody that's chasing the top. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of times in, you know, my career and in athletics that I've been at the top, but then been knocked down a number of rungs and that getting back to the top is the fun part, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and so I always cherish healthy competition and I try to, instill that in my kids it's not it's not a it's not bad to get second or third or fourth or fifth or whatever it may be it's more of like we were talking about the effort thing but you know when you elevate the competition around you because you inspired them you should feel honored by mm-hmm. that and and you should feel honored by re you know climbing the mountain again and and winning and so mm-hmm. um i'm a competitive junkie though like i love <laughs> to compete and mm-hmm. Um, not everybody has that personality trait. I think I've done the um, strength finders and a, c- mm-hmm. a couple different other mm-hmm. personality traits and mine, you know, high responsibility, competitiveness, and achiever. Those there are my three top right. strengths. And so knowing that about myself really helped me unlock, like, well, that's what I need to be doing mm-hmm. in life. That's what fills my tank up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, and I think that that's important to say. Well, it's important to understand, first of all, and then it's important, like, it's important to say because like, I don't know. Another thing that I believe is like in society on average, we want to tear down may not be the right word, but we want to downplay people who achieve. Mm -hmm. We want to downplay people who uh, are healthy and Mm -hmm. in shape. We want to downplay people who do achieve things at a level and we want to find excuses as to why they're there and we're here. And I don't look at, I don't say that cynically by any stretch. I think it's just the mindset that we're in for some reason. Yeah. But I also believe that what you're saying, like really fulfillment happens whenever you are striving to achieve, when you're striving to compete with others, not so that you're the one standing on top of everybody and pounding everybody into the ground per se, but because you, a rising tide raises all boats. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, um, I fought this when I was in um, more significant management positions mm-hmm. where, you know, um, this whole belief that you've got certain personality traits and if you're not focused on those strengths and you're focused on bringing your weaknesses up, that you're going to, you know, you're going to be unhappy focusing on your weaknesses, that you should focus on your strengths. And, and that's why I think happens with, you know, the average or the, the mean population, when they look at people that have those achiever personalities, not everybody has them. And so they're looking at it as unnormal. Mm-hmm. Just like I may look at somebody that has a artistic ability as 
maybe not normal in my social, mm -hmm. but I've come to like accept that like people find their strengths and really dive into them and fulfill them. Boy, they're going to be extremely happy and they can be competitive into those strengths. And mm -hmm. it could be, you know, uh, organization or, um, I don't know. There, there are so many strengths that I can't remember, but, mm -hmm. but when I unlocked what my strengths were and really accepted the fact that, you know, my strengths aren't really managing people. It's more achieving, even though I manage people, 100%. I have to in my job. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really focus even my management style around my achiever and my competitive mm -hmm. personality. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I, that's really helped me. I'm not perfect because I still work on those kind of things we were talking about with my kids. Mm -hmm. That's even the hardest management mm -hmm. in the world. Um, because you want them to be a certain mold and you know, mm -hmm. they are who they are and really trying to find uh, where they can be passionate. Um, I think is more important. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but yeah, no, I, I think as a society, you're right. It's like, you know, sometimes I think we're so dialed in on everybody being normal or mm -hmm. the mean, uh, like the mass. I really embrace the abnormal. Let's mm -hmm. strive to, be the best version of yourself, which mm. will look like abnormal mm -hmm. to the average. Cause I think a lot of people don't unlock what they're good at, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but if that makes sense, you know, a hundred percent. Uh, I don't know. I look at it kind of a, like you have an obligation. I believe you like, you have an obligation to pursue your best. And if you don't, if you choose not to do it, that's okay. But I don't think there's any reason why you should tear anybody down in the process. Yeah. But, well, I don't know if you can find happiness, though, without having a purpose of trying to do your best. I, that, that's maybe me, again, reflecting on Well, I agree. Yeah. But the thing that – I think the thing that holds us back is comfort, like, to be totally honest. It's yeah. almost as simple as that. Because – let's use nutrition as an example. The, hard, the hardest thing for people to do with nutrition is give up their – their foods that they enjoy so much, right? Well, I don't want to give up my ice cream at night, donuts. or I don't want to give up my donuts, or I don't yeah. want to give up my cream and my coffee or whatever, my foo foo drink, my foo foo coffee drink. I don't want to give up this, that, and the other thing because they are using that thing to yeah. fulfill this gap, yeah. to fill the gap of happiness or fulfillment, right? That's what a lot of people do. They use these. You got crutches. me thinking about a latte right now. <laughs> You're going, yeah, that right. does sound kind of good now that you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they yeah. use those things to fulfill, to to fill the gap. Yeah. They know, they, th I think they know the gaps there. They know that, that, that they don't have that fulfillment. They don't have that happiness. They don't have that thing that yeah. drives them. So they use these other things. They yeah. use comfort. They use tasty. They use whatever else scrolling to oh, fill yeah. the gap. Yeah. And so when you challenge someone to change that, yeah. they, they're like, well, don't take that away from me. That's what's making me happy. But if you suggest that, well, it's actually the effort toward the thing, toward your strengths, with your strengths, maybe is a better way to put it, that's going to fulfill you. It's just hard to accept because we just, we're just in a society of comfort. Yeah. We think that things should happen quick. Mm -hmm. We think that things should happen today because I can pick up my phone and I can order whatever I want and get it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Like, um, I often will fall in those traps as well. Like, Oh yeah, you know, sc scrolling, and then you know I've I've got this achiever personality, but there there is a certain capacity to sustain so many efforts on so many different levels. Like 
sometimes you feel ADD, like you're trying to please too many, um, I, I guess, um, I don't know. To, to, you're trying to fulfill on too many fronts. Levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, simplifying your life may be the right solution mm -hmm. so that you can really dial in on what is important because I do think there is a capacity issue for people as well. I can speak to, for myself is like, okay, I love to be uncomfortable. That's what I strive for, but I still fall into the same traps. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's a, like, okay, I need a, I need to, decompress from all of the different avenues that I'm trying to fulfill at. Mm -hmm. And, um, life's not getting any easier. Uh, technology is never going to be, uh, slower than it is today. It's only going to accelerate and it's going to force as you get older to be able to keep up, uh, with the new level of technology that exists today. You're always reinventing yourself in your career or in life as a parent, you're always finding new ways to do things. And so, I do think the comfort that like you're saying is important and uh, sometimes falling into the wrong comfort traps is bad. Mm. You know? so Most definitely. It could come out in you know, major sinful things too. Like I often feel empathetic towards people that are alcohol abusers and um, dive into drugs because I think that's their relief valve that they yeah. found the wrong relief valve, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. um, yep. But I don't know. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your path. You found banking at a job fair. I'm yeah. assuming in college. Yeah. And yeah. you're where you are. Banking was not a thing you were thinking about. No. What's your what's your degree in? Uh finance. Uh okay. I have a um I had a bachelor's degree in um finance and computer information systems, which I didn't use at all. Mm -hmm. I probably forgot all of what I knew. Yeah. Um and I thought I was going to go into the computer information systems path. I had a Microsoft um, MCSC certificate, certificate. Mm -hmm. and that was the wave of the future. Every, mm -hmm. every academic advisor was pushing you that direction, mm -hmm. but really I was just a dumb jock in, in, in college. Mm -hmm. I got good grades. I was, mm -hmm. you know, achiever in grades is why I knew how to get good grades. It wasn't for the love of learning. It was really, I was a wrestler in college and that's, that was me. I was, I was a, Jock first, yep. and that's then, what you defined yourself. Yeah, as. Mm -hmm. and then when you realize, like, okay, what ne what's next is like, okay, I got to dive in, and so I went to a career fair at Mount St. Joe, and U.S. Bank was there, and I got into retail banking. I was a personal banker, and you know, really um, started falling in love with learning um, because that, that avenue for wrestling was gone. Uh, there's no life after college wrestling unless you go that now mixed martial arts mm -hmm. and that sounds too brutal for me. <laughs> um, and like my friends would tell you that I love being brutal, but yeah. I, I don't want my face beaten yeah. either. So yeah. at the same time, but, um, but anyway, uh, I really found it in my career and, um, filled that bucket without knowing it. And it wasn't later, uh, until later on in life where I found my person, what my personality traits were. I didn't even know that was a thing. And then I really found a passion in fulfilling those things in my career. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always been uh, a people pleaser. I want to realize my value. I want my job to get a return from me. You know, I want them to want to give me raises, not me ask for raises. I, I've asked for raises plenty of times, but mm -hmm. I want it to be earned. It's after you felt like you gave yeah, the value. That you value had to be there, mm -hmm. yeah. And so for me, 
you know, when you get in your career, you're often around people that are not high achievers. And so for me, it was like really easy to compete, um, in banking and I've always been the top producer in every job I've ever had. And I've all been like a sales slant slash leadership management as well, but got to grow revenue. Mm-hmm. Every company has a revenue. You got revenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to fulfill, um, your passion. And Mm -hmm. so it's a necessary uh, evil for some people you know, they don't think of uh, that they're in a sales environment, but they are always, Mm -hmm. you're always selling yourself, even if you're on the customer service line. And so I've always been slanted towards that sales path and, and then advisor path. And so first it was, Hey, how, how many loans could I book for how many loans I could book? That was the purpose. Then it became how many loans could I book and, really be a lead advisor for a client. I've even come in here mm-hmm. before to advise. And mm-hmm. then I fell in love with the advising, which led to more revenues. And so then it became, how many people can I impact in the community, whether it be a small business or a big business, that I can really teach them the skills that I've picked up over a career in banking. And eventually I got a master's of finance. And how, how can I teach them? They're an entrepreneur but that doesn't mean that they're good at accounting or finance and, and they may just need an advisor. And I was always that free advisor that always led to, to revenues for mm-hmm. me in business. And, um, really that's where I, I grew my career. I started in retail banking, went into small business banking. Then there's this thing called a merging market. It's like the, the in between the in small between, business yeah, yeah. and the middle market. And then I got into leadership roles, uh, where I was a manager and then kind of missed that, like, um, kill what you eat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then got into middle market lending at U.S. Bank. And then um, when U.S. Bank became more centralized you know, nationwide and lost kind of that local presence, mm-hmm. I went to First Financial, which is a hometown bank. And I could really deliver um, the value that I've always positioned in the in the local economy mm-hmm. and that um, – we can be nimble, creative, and flexible on, mm-hmm. on the credit terms. And so um, that's really just um, kind of putting the right value set in place uh, really helped me. And the other thing I had found is, like, if I'm not purposeful with my week, the week's going to happen to me, and I'm going to react to the week mm-hmm. versus um, being driven towards the goals that I, I want to accomplish. But mm-hmm. really, I've not, you know, I've, I've always just been this um, – person that's minded around like I got to be uncomfortable I got to stretch myself I've mm-hmm. got to do the uncomfortable things um, that I don't think I can get done because that's really where I think the best learning happens for me so so how do you do that and you don't you can be you can go tactical or you can go more like just general strategical when you say and I, I agree when you say uh, I push myself to get out of my comfort zone is kind of what I hear, Mm -hmm. but like, that's what's gotten me to the point where I am. Like, how do you do that? I think it takes a community. You can't do it on your own. Mm. Like, um, I think there was a training session in here. You're like, Hey, you asked me what my heart rate was. And I think I said like 170. You're like, I wonder if you can get it up to 180. I'm like, I wonder if I can get it up to 180. (laughs) You know, so I need, you need that nudge. You need that coach. Mm. And then not only that, you got to have that mindset that, that's enjoyable to be out of your comfort zone. And then you got to have a willingness to take on risk and jump in. And mm-hmm. like, um, 
the first time you take that risk, it's scary, but when it all works out, because at the end of the day, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got a skill set that you've built that you can always rely on. You can always go backwards. Mm-hmm. I could always, I always told myself, you know, like I can always go back to emerging market lending. I can always go back to business banking lending because I know I was technically sound mm-hmm. in those. Then not, you know, you revert back even further. I can always go to personal banking or not that those aren't technically skilled jobs. They are, but I, you know, the, I'd had those skills before and I had to jump into a new realm mm-hmm. that was scary that I was willing to do it because I knew I could rest on the fact that I was already technically skilled at something Over here. that I could mm-hmm. fall back on. And so the first time you do that, you're like, well, you're fair, afraid of failure. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, it's not that big of a deal if you mm-hmm. fail. It's, it's kind of a privilege to fail because you knew you mm-hmm. pushed yourself. And so, um, kind of searching for that failure is I think the mindset is really what helps you and being okay with failure. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you knew at that point you knew that you, yeah, you, you made a decision that was very challenging and you, you met your capacity and sometimes you got to fail a couple times and then you, all of a sudden you figure it out, you mm-hmm. know, and you unlock it and then it becomes easy and you're like, well, what, why was that so why? hard at the mm-hmm. beginning? You know? Yeah. And so I don't know that kind of a scattered brain way of the think how my brain thinks about those risks, mm-hmm. but it's a privilege to fail. Yeah. I would say it's tell a me about that. Um, yeah. I like I, when you said that, I was like, what does he mean by that? Yeah. It's a privilege to fail. I don't know. I, and maybe it's the wrestler mindset. There's always been a joyful, there's always been joy and like a little bit of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes, like, you know, like the... I mean, I think I understand. The rainbow after the rainstorm. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like there's better days ahead once you fail. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. um, a healthy reset. Yeah. You know, like... Um, I, and you experience that definitely in athletics. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, losing sucks at the time, but then um, there's a lot of joy in building back up, you know, and... And that's what I said when we kicked off is mm-hmm. like, you know, elevated competition is so fun because you do get to realize a point of inflection where you got to decide to renew your efforts. And it is boring to, to be number one all the time, you know, and mm-hmm. that's why I think you always see this in even the professional ath- athletes, that people that are God-given, you know, athletes that, um, you know, it, sometimes it takes them um, a a failure before they really reach their next potential. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, there's clearer days ahead after you fail, you know, it's, you hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I got to imagine, you know, people feel that way too, when they hit rock bottom in like a personal situation, whether it be a failed marriage or whatever, it's like, Oh my gosh, it's a, such a relief to mm-hmm. get this weight off of me. And mm-hmm. now I can reset and rebuild. Interesting. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that helps. Uh, it really does, most yeah. definitely. That's interesting. Um, when I think about it, I I know what you're saying. I can feel what you're saying because I know I've certainly had have those have had those moments where it's like it doesn't feel like it could be like you've <laughs> that's silly, but but true. Like you finally got to the bot, like you finally hit the bottom. I guess. Yeah. And you can finally just turn around and go like there's no, at that point, there's no letting yourself down. Yeah, you've already had the humility of yeah. losing or yeah. failing. Mm-hmm. So 
you wake up and the next morning feels a whole lot better. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah. uh, cause at the end of the day, you know, the true purpose is in my mind is to live a, a, a God loving life and a follower. Mm-hmm. And, and we all fail short on that front. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all the pressures we put on ourselves in society are minor and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, if you put it in perspective, it's, you know, what you thought was a big deal, wasn't a real big deal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so part of what I heard you, I've heard you say is like, you've, you've learned to, or taught yourself to, you're good, to detach from the outcome. Yeah. Um, it, when I hear you say, well, it's not that big a deal. Like, it's not that big a deal. Like, and it's true. Like at the end of the day, if you live in America, which is most of the people who are listening to this are like, what, like, what do you have to worry about? Which is also part of the problem. Like what, yeah. like that's also part of the problem. Like, yeah, no, I agree. Like, um, when I say I don't like what's, what's there, it's more of like, what's there to lose. Yeah. Like if you fail, so go for it. Like yeah. it's more of gives you, give yourself permission to take the risk. Yeah. Like I love the outcome. Don't get me wrong. Well, I, when I say detach yeah. from it, I don't mean yeah. like, oh, I'm indifferent to it, and I yeah. could care less what happens. You know, what's funny about winning though is like, you, you know, your greatest moment is like the second that it's happening that you know you've kind of locked up the win. Yeah. But then everything else is like a down. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun. You're Once it's like, done, you're chasing the high. Yeah. And so it's got to be more dimensional than that. Um, yeah. But. I, I think it is the process and it's like being able to take on those risks because it's, you know, you get rewarded for risks in life in general and mm-hmm. the economy and a free enterprise and, um, a free country. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you get compensated for is mm-hmm. risk. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's same with your personal life is that's what you get compensated for is like, can I push that heart rate to 190 <laughs> yeah. and not die? Yeah, I did it. I can do yeah. it again. Like I right. can, I can, you know, yep. I, and the, it's momentum too. It's like when I, okay, can I live without donuts for um, mm. a week mm-hmm. and, or, or Coca-Cola whatever or whatever maybe. Mm-hmm. And, um, I got to imagine people that are suffering with addiction. It's probably like that with their recovery is like, can I go one day? without this addiction or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Well, because if you think, well, I got to go a lifetime without this, like that's where you start, then yeah. yeah, the mind's like, well, there ain't no chance I'm going a lifetime without this because that's a long time. Yeah. But if you go, okay, I just need an hour or I just need yeah. a, a day. And then once yeah. you've done a day, I just need another day. And then just another day, then you go, okay, well, then that seems a little more manageable. Yeah. Yeah, and you need that coach because you got to have that perspective too. Mm-hmm. You got to be in the right frame of mind. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, all, all it is is one more day. I mm-hmm. one day, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know. I luckily, knock on wood, haven't suffered from, you know, those kind of addictions or anything like that. So I've been lucky and blessed that I've not had those issues. But um, there's definitely things that in life that you think that way as well. Is like around food. You know, can I go one day with? I, Kelly and I, my wife gave up soda in high school and mm-hmm. this is a big deal. Cause we drank Coca-Cola's growing up All the and, time. Mm-hmm. and we went, it was a Lent season. We went, ended up going a whole year without mm-hmm. drinking a soda. And then we went back to drinking a soda and it's like, Oh man, this is mm-hmm. like sticky and nasty. And yeah, I fell out of love with him. And it yeah. was like, that gave me 
kind of that perception of like if you just tackle like how do you eat elephant one bite at a time if, mm-hmm. how do you tackle any big problem problem it's one step at a time mm-hmm. that's the fun process of it too you know? mm-hmm. but, so how do you cultivate the mindset of tackling one step at a time is that something that you just start to do is it something that you have to like you just have to remind yourself that it's one step at a time have you well let me back up. i think it's practice i think it's like you know like the example with the soda that was one thing that you know by happenstance i did you know and for wrestling in high school for me it was you know i was awful uh as a eighth grader first year wrestler mm-hmm. wrestling because in wrestling you you wrestle against your own weight class and not your own age division so you may be wrestling a senior that's 103 pounds or 112 pounds as i was as an eighth grader mm-hmm. and you just get your butt whooped and yeah. you're like how am i ever going to be to do anything as good as yeah. that person because mm-hmm. you just can't see it like you you got manhandled and yeah. you're miserable mm-hmm. and um and then, you know, you keep putting in the work. And I luckily I've had good coaches that mm-hmm. have uh, got that out of me. And all of a sudden you accidentally, in my mind, it's called accident, but you <laughs> accidentally beat somebody that you thought you never were ever going to be. Mm-hmm. And then it's a momentum. It's like, oh my gosh, they didn't get worse. I got better. Yeah. Like you realize like, mm-hmm. holy cow. It's just one, like one day at a time, like being a hundred percent effort in one day at a time really works. And I've been blessed in my life that I've had a number of those kind of examples where I can w- lean on them because I wasn't the best, uh, in, especially in high school, uh, around academics and, and my undergrad, I did exceptionally well, but I was still wasn't the best student. Like I wasn't in love with learning. It wasn't until I, all the athletics went away where I fell in love with learning, mm-hmm. but, but it's like, you can use those experiences and rely on them and th- reflect on them to, for other mm-hmm. opportunities to, to tackle big problems. Mm-hmm. Well, learning took the place at that point, learning took the place of you were learning on the mat. That's right. Yeah. Learn, learn once, how to once that was done, be disciplined. Right. Yeah. Once that was done, then you just, your career then took the place of that and you started yeah. to learn. Yeah. And honestly, it the was world. A better. That's why I, I pushed, all kids and my kids to be in extracurriculars, whatever mm-hmm. it be, because the discipline that you learn outside of the classroom is instrumental. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's the reason that I'm successful. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it takes good coaches because the opposite is true. If you got bad coaches that don't instill that level of discipline or create a toxic environment, it could have the opposite mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was blessed to have, awesome coaches with coach Van Camper and mm-hmm. coach Wilbers and, you know, people that are staples in this community mm-hmm. in Alexandria. But yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So speaking of discipline at the beginning of this conversation, you said, and you just threw it in there, but I think it's an important statement. You said, um, something to the effect of, I try and make my week purposeful so that I'm making progress in my career yeah. I can't remember the exact context, t- context, but something about making your week purposeful, which requires discipline. Yeah. Um, how did you start to, do you look at your coaches as your biggest guide to helping you cultivate that? Because I a hundred percent agree that discipline is the thing that most people are, that like, we need. Yeah. Like you need it. It's just, it's that simple. Like that's, what's going to get you to yeah, where you're, you're trying to go. Path of least resistance. Yeah. You know, like, um, 
Yeah, that, I would say uh, coaching and and um, parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, parent. My dad was like, if he was like Ricky Bobby's dad, like if yeah. he first year last. Yeah, and um, <laughs> he put an incredible pressure on you know us to achieve because he believed in our ability to achieve. And I would say our my brother and I. Mm. And Ch- Chad, my older brother, he had the most attention put on him because he was the oldest and mm-hmm. he was strong. And and it, um, I got to learn passively, which I thought was the best way to learn, mm-hmm. um, is because I didn't want to uh, get the lecture of you know <laughs> why didn't this happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was gonna. And you want the attention, like when you don't have the attention, mm-hmm. you want it. And so I would say that. And then uh, fantastic coaches definitely instilled it, but. You know, always being um, looking to better yourself, and I've been lucky enough to, um, you know, read some really good self help books too. Like I think the purposeful driven life. Mm, um, purposeful driven life. Yeah. I've read, mm-hmm. and then uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, yeah. and that's where I learned how to be disciplined about being a proactive. Um, worker and mm-hmm. so nobody really wants to spend Sundays planning out their week on their big rocks is what the seven mm-hmm. habits of highly effective people is like you want to let the week just come to you and let work be at work but like if I, I spent two hours planning my week out on a Sunday my weeks were just phenomenally better mm-hmm. than if I didn't spend you that just two let weeks. it roll mm-hmm. yeah and, and that way I could like I knew what my high impact high um um, responsible um, tasks were, Actions. and mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accomplish those. I'm gonna build every day around those big rocks that mm-hmm. I had to accomplish in the week. And so I haven't readdressed that book in forever. It'd probably be nice, but to do so. But um, I was lucky enough to have coaches at work that suggest that as well. And so um, the desire came from the coaches, and then you know, just other people throughout my life have really kind of pushed me. Cause I think if you can, um, as a coach, as a good coach, you can see that somebody has a spark. You want to ignite that into mm-hmm. a fire, into a bonfire and you mm-hmm. want to grow it and fan it. And so that's, you just need that spark. You need mm-hmm. that, that person that's, that has that. And that came from athletics is mm-hmm. like, I've always had that spark, but luckily I've had coaches that saw that saw potential it. And would fan it and grow it into a fire, and really um, let it blossom. And so, so how did you learn to differentiate between tasks that move things forward and tasks that are just tasks to be done? Because what I hear you say is, um, I'm certain that you work hard. Yeah. But I know a lot of people work hard. Yeah. And I know a lot of people would say, well, well, X Y Z works really hard too, but they're not making blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that they're comparing to you, but when yeah. you talk about an entrepreneur or anything else, like yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs don't work as many hours yeah. as people who maybe make $70,000 a year. However, they figured out the tasks that need to be done in order to have the biggest impact. Yeah. So how did you start to figure that out? Um, you know, I think the victim mindset is a poison mindset. Mm-hmm. They're definitely victims. Everybody has some level of being the victim because life's not perfectly fair. Can't it's be not fair. Yeah. Mm-mm. And so, um, sooner that you accept that and you move on past that, the better, because there's a lot of time that, um, a lot of people spend working, not working, you know, like mm. 
they're feeling sorry for themselves and they don't want to go on to the next task. And, you know, and I'm not, I've not been in a blue collar job. I've done uh, blue collar things like I worked on Mm -hmm. a farm with my grandpa and I really find enjoyment in that. And, and I can't relate necessarily to those careers, but I got to imagine there's time, there's downtime there as well. Like if you're a lineman for Duke energy and you got downtime in between something, are you sweeping the floors? Uh, or are you bullshitting with, sorry, bullcrapping with your coworkers? Mm-hmm. And um, the person that's sweeping the floors, like trying to earn, the, provide that return, mm-hmm. uh, is going to get the advancement. It's going to mm-hmm. get the lucky break or mm-hmm. the promotion. Whatever. They got the right it attitude. looks lucky. Yeah. Right. That's right. And um, and so I think that's a big key. I know that wasn't how you phrased the question, but... I would say, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head is like, you got to be purposeful with not letting somebody else's important affect your important, your importance, your important. Mm -hmm. And that's what you got to focus on. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to suck at certain parts of your job that you should suck at. Mm. If you're in sales, you shouldn't be great at administrative. Mm -hmm. You should be good. It's like breathing. You got to do it. Mm -hmm. But that's not what you should strive to be great at. Mm -hmm. You know, like your great should be what provides revenue for Mm -hmm. the company that you work at. And, um, and so that's uh, somebody else's important. You Mm -hmm. know, there, there's back office that that's going to be really important and you got to live as a team. And so you got to fulfill your obligation there. But it shouldn't be your number one. It shouldn't be what you set your day around is, you know, we got logging um, our activity inside of Salesforce, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll get that done. But that's happening on Friday evening. The end of the day. End yeah. of like when everybody's golfing mm-hmm. and out enjoying drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to knock out two hours of logging all the sales activities and the pipeline management that I... That's not what I'm striving to be great not at. Not doing that in the middle of the day on a Monday. Yeah, that's my manager's, <laughs> what is important to mm-hmm. my manager is reporting to the board and the shareholders, which is important, don't get me wrong, but sure. it's not my important mm-hmm. throughout the week. And if it's you not make moving it, the needle forward. If you, you make it your important, then you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, and when I say fail, you're not going to win the day. Mm-hmm. You may not fail because, you know, being in sales roles my whole life is that, there's 10% of the sales force create 90% of the revenue. Mm. And then, you know, you got managers that can't find enough of those 10% mm. people. So you got plenty of coworkers that just exist and make the wrong things important. Mm. And they can go their whole life in a six figure job and survive that experience mm-hmm. just by being average or good. Mm-hmm. But I would say the joy of the job comes in winning for me. And so I want I want to win. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be great this week. And having that mindset of how do I do it, then you can find plenty of books. I'm like, how do I be great? You know, how do I move good to great and mm. great the greatest? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect because I fail at that all the time. Mm. And I got to reset and I got to say, okay, I haven't been doing these things that I've learned that make me great, you know. And so... um so having the right mindset and making sure your highly important uh, items come first and um, not somebody else's. Mm. And so it's hard to do. That's good. Mm. But, Most definitely. Yeah. No, there's um, a thing that I use for this called the Eisenhower Matrix. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, so it's a, it's a quadrant of important and non-important tasks uh, 
important and non-important non on the top and urgent and not yeah. urgent yeah, on that's the side. Right. Yeah. And then as you connect the dots, yeah. some things you need to decide to do, some things you need to go ahead and do, some things you need to delegate, some things you need to um, delete and just get them out of the way yeah. as you connect the dots throughout there. Yeah, that's, that, basically, that's used in, that uh, Eisenhower model is used mm -hmm. in uh, the seven habits of highly effective Yeah, people. that's right, that's right. That's and it, visually I got it in my head, but I couldn't remember all the matrix, but yep. um, yeah, no, it's, and I, I use it pretty religiously on a number of different fashions. Like I have um, tiers of prospects. So people mm. I want to bank that aren't banking with me, and they may be a, a tier one, two, three, or four. Mm. And I develop protocols on each tier. Like mm. my tier ones are the ones that I feel like I've got a great relationship, high, high propensity to move. Mm. And, you know, I, I do creative things. Like I know when their anniversaries are, when their birthdays, what their kids are into. And, and I look at the internet for activities that may relate to them mm -hmm. and, I entertain them. They give them the suite at FC Cincinnati games. Mm. And, the, you know, those are my highly important, uh, the top quadrant yes. that mm -hmm. I need to focus on. Mm -hmm. The tier fours, they get attention, but it's more like annual. Annually, yeah. I may do I something. Text, hey, you know? what you up to? Or send yeah. something for the birthday or something to that effect. Yeah. Mm. And I do that with all kinds of different, you know, I, I tear mm. out my tasks. Mm. Like, I got to get these done, but they're not a tier one mm. task. It's a tier That's four, good. you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's good because everybody's busy. You only got a certain amount of effort and time mm -hmm. in a day to give and everybody needs to be able to decompress. And, you know, I think what the pandemic has taught us is that we've, the balance is important, you know, like, mm. and coming out of that has been more challenging than not. Like I've, I've got employees that report to me that it's like okay time to come back in time to you know put in the full 40 hours and mm -hmm. you were putting in 50 hours a week before let's let's try let's, bump let's it try back 40 up. <laughs> you know like let's let's get out of the 30 hour yeah. a week mindset you know yeah. and and uh um mm -hmm. i'm a big thing is like no excuses no victim you can't hide you know like the victim always hides like oh yeah this is going on and it's like how how often can you know, that be going on, right. you know, like I, I got empathy as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it's that excuse that you've, you've used and that you don't, you think people don't see, but they do see, they, do. they just give mm -hmm. you a pass on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see it in, in the gym even oh, yeah. like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> fine. Yeah. Yep. That's fine. But <laughs> to each their own. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm starting to believe that part less and less too, but yeah. that's that's for another day. Well, I think you know you need a coach that's willing to call you out in a polite way, but again, you never know what's going on in anybody's life either. So having empathy and having a certain amount of grace for people is extremely important. Hundred um, percent. But at some point, you want to help somebody find their happiness. Yep. And and for employees, it's uh, I've had a lot of grace for a lot of employees. Um, because potential's there or whatever. But then if I ultimately feel like, okay, they're on the wrong bus, it, like, let's get them on the right bus mm -hmm. where they're going to be happy. You know, let's, because th this isn't happiness for mm -hmm. them. And so it, as long as you know their personality trait, you know. Mm -hmm. but, Most definitely. Uh, All right, brother. Well, I enjoy watching you in the gym. I enjoy watching yeah. people run away from you when they know it's partner work time and it's <laughs> time to get going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I learned a lot today. I appreciate your conversation. 
Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Yeah. Most definitely. People, until next time, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.